Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. Thank you again to all my subscribers, for all of you who've been signing up for email lists, signing up on our Patreon.com page to support the show, Patreon.com slash Richard Listens, Instagram at Richard Listens. Please tweet at me. Instagram, Facebook, sign up, subscribe, and listen. Please take the time, send this to two friends that you think might like the show. Thank you all for reaching out and being a part of this production and podcast where we continue to bring you those who are creating to endeavor and challenge themselves and create change in the world and in their respective fields. We hope to challenge you, bring forth more ways to channel your authentic self in the world and find ways to express yourself or uncover talents you may already have and take that next step forward in your own emotional and spiritual psychological journey. Today, we have a colleague and friend, Mr. Sergio Ocampo. He is currently, and we'll share more about his journey to getting there, he's a board director of the Somatic Experience Institute and his work of bringing diverse representation to therapy boards representing the clients that we serve here in Los Angeles and what that change and transformation is about is what he'll be sharing today. Sergio focuses on renegotiating the effects of anxiety, depression, and trauma emerging from physical, sexual, or emotional abuse. These also includes both somatic and cognitive interventions and the somatic experiencing narrative therapy and effective neuropsychology practitioner, as well as EMDR, which stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Sergio researches and writes about how early life adversity, immigration, and overwhelming experiences can affect the nervous system and its consequent emotional 
emotional reaction. Sergio's motto is, anxiety and depression are not a life sentence, but a temporary discomfort. Sergio's worked and studied in Europe for many years. He's mastered the languages of Dutch and Italian and also speaks Spanish and English. He has worked in the energy sector as well as financial services markets domestically. He later successfully started online businesses developing marketing and selling video systems for sports as well. He holds a bachelor's in engineering and a master's degree from Antioch University in Los Angeles in clinical psychology with a focus in narrative and depth psychology. Without further ado, I introduce Mr. Sergio Ocampo. How are you doing, my friend? Great, great. I'm doing great. Are, are you fresh from a day of seeing clients? I am. I am. It's still early afternoon and here I am. So I was telling someone the other day, before we get into, you know, all your recent accomplishments and training, you do a very powerful thing when you see me, you know, like you smile at me and you go, you know, you look like a quarterback. <laughs> I was telling people like the power of somebody seeing you and you're like idealized version of yourself, like the image, it really is uplifting. Yes. Is that something that you do all your friends and clients? Is this how to win friends and influence people? What's the secret? Well, it's not so much that as that one, as one approaches the other, feels into their field and who they are as people. And every time I saw you, you had this wonderful posture looking above as you are tall and good looking. You know, hey. I know this guy, this guy could be a quarterback. And he is probably a quarterback. Look how he handles himself. There is something about acknowledging the deeper part of people as you approach them by sensing into them. And perhaps I didn't read that into you directly through your thoughts and your ideas and how you spoke to me. However, it's something that was felt. And my work is really about feeling, sensing into what's happening and what happens in the implicit, which means what happens in that place that has no words that we feel from people. This is a beautiful thing that you're saying here because so much of what's, you know, is interesting. I was a phone session and, you know, I was taking a pause and could just, the younger part of me was like, you can't let there be silence. Well, we know that in helping our clients, there has to be this space where there are no words. There has to be this space where other things enter into the picture. You know, where have you found this capacity and what do you describe that space as? Well, you know, my interest has always been in parts of ourselves that are deeper that we feel only perhaps in our dreams or we experience them in our dreams. You know, I always tell my clients as they arrive that, you know, when you come into the waiting room, your body, your system is ready to do the work. How is that? It is that something deep inside is calling them, almost driving them to come here and do this. It is not so much about the words we speak. It's really about what's happening inside that wants to be completed, that wants to be done. And that's where we're working through that very deep piece that comes really from our ancestry, from even our biological background, how we sense into others without words. You know, we come from a place where we evolved into really touching and feeling each other. And that's our primary vocabulary. As we are born, we only understand one language, which is touch. And touch is a language that says so much. Why? Because it is really how it is received that we bring meaning to it. So to answer your question, how did I develop this? It is perhaps where I come from. I come from Mexico. 
This is a place where we're very touchy-feely and we really sense into this emotional connection we have with each other through our bodies. We're animated. We tend to, you know, really approach people through our hearts, quote-unquote. What that really means is really approach through our bodies. We really approach each other in this different form of boundary. So I feel that in my work has really helped me because my work is about, again, working with that piece that people don't know what's going on. It's there. And as you name, the richer when you're in silence, when we want to give space to people to be silent is when the real stuff really begins to emerge. You know, we override it through talking. You know, we're anxious. We want to talk about stuff. We want to say this is going on. But deeper is something that's charging that. We've both been trained. I know our listeners in somatic experience and you've recently been appointed or elected to the board. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And I want to get into that journey and what that means for yeah. uh, the field for, you know, diverse representation and, and training and, and subject yeah. matter going forward, including your interest in the, you know, the immigrant immigration experience and those that have, you know, been immigrants at some point in their life or even collectively, right? But also, you know, when you're saying that, obviously as a field of therapists, often my, you know, as a male, as a therapist, when someone says touch and therapy, like we accept it in the massage realm or physical therapy, we don't see it as really like like there's something, a barrier there could get misconstrued or be unethical to have touch and connection incorporated into therapy. So, you know, first I thought you might want to speak to that, you know, and second, just about the, the vibrant picture I got when you're describing Mexico and the feeling I got, you know, I was thinking I came from New York, I was around millions of people, but everyone was moving real fast and not connected. Like I, I would go into New York City, I'd get a rush of energy, but there was like a collapse on the subway ride home, whereas opposed to traveling around to other cultures, uh, whether it be the Middle East or to Italy, you know, where people are much more France greeting with kisses, hugs, constant contact. What do you learn from, you know, looking at these different cultures and, you know, a little bit about how touch has been mm. integrated into therapy? So perhaps the best ways to begin is to realize in some ways that we are a tribal species. We're pods of people together. We are born with everything that's necessary to live within the confines of a tribe in cooperation and mutual growth and support. Our nervous systems, our entire bodies are patterned so that we are able to engage both emotionally, intellectually, and practically with people, and not only in our words, but through our faces, our eyes, and also the kind of feeling we get when we are around people. We all notice when we approach certain folks that we feel a little bit anxious, perhaps, or a little bit warm and comfortable, or we feel something different that we never felt before. What is that? Well, there's different types of memories. You have memories that are, you know, explicit that live in our brains, but we also have emotional memories. They actually do exist. They exist not only in our nervous system, but in our brains, that we remember the emotional part of meeting someone, that piece, like, oh, we feel loved, loved by this uncle. And then I'm on the bus and I sense the same feeling with someone I don't even know. And I go like, oh my God, I must be connected to that person. But it is that the end, the energy that that feeling we get from that person is exactly the same or similar to that I got from my uncle. So those emotional memories live in our bodies. There's a lot of research on that. They are part of ourselves. And those are the parts that we begin to access as therapists, as other human beings. This is why as a tribe, emotions are very important because this is how we gauge, hey, are you okay? Or are you a threat? Are you from here? Are you one of us? You know? Are you dangerous? Or are you 
loving and supportive. Oh, how should I speak to you? How should I address you? Are you above me, below me, with me? And those are emotional parts we sense automatically through a highly, highly sophisticated system, beginning with the face, the eyes, the entire body. And I believe, of course, I have no scientific backing because I don't do research myself, but there's a part of me that strongly believes that the reason we have these long, extended childhoods is not so much to breed a large brain with a lot of intelligence and processing speed, but also to learn the very sophisticated languaging of emotions. We see that our nervous system, that part of our nervous system that settles us, that makes us feel you know, peaceful and good, takes many years to wire from birth. We are born without it. In other words, we don't know how to settle. We don't understand how to settle ourselves. Who does that for us? Our parents. When we're crying and we're not unhappy and grudgy little babies, our parents calm us with their prosody, with their voice. Hey, sweetheart, it's going to be okay. And suddenly you calm down and you feel better. And then that nervous system begins to wire little by little. Something else in the environment that's calming or soothing. Yeah, another, another human being. So it needs skin contact and it needs, you know, intention and connection and eyes. And a therapist, we know this just by, you know, some studies, but not so deeply into the fact that our nervous system is extremely sophisticated. Our emotional connection system is extremely sophisticated and it takes years to wire and we utilize this every day. And coming back to touch, so why would touch be important for therapy? Well, you don't actually don't need it. However, it's very powerful because when we're working with someone who has develop, developmental trauma, that is trauma that came in the process of birth or very early in life, the, their nervous system deep in, inside is really connected to a missing piece, which is touch. There was touch missing when this big thing happened to me. And when that reconnects through touch, there's suddenly this opportunity to renegotiate it, to make it okay again, to discharge it. And that's what we're wanting to do with trauma is we're not wanting to give coping mechanisms or feel better strategies. We're wanting to discharge the stuff that's there permanently from the body. And the body knows exactly what to do with it when we give it the correct situation, the correct circumstances. And for some, touch is extremely powerful. A lot of clients will say to me, they'll say, okay, like, so I'm going to just stop and slow down on a process. Like, then what, right? Like, they know that they've been covering it up. We know that we skip, we, we have coping skills, we do things we do because we feel a certain way, we don't like the way we yeah. feel. We create entire identities around not allowing that pain that we experienced or absorbed from our parents to reoccur in our lives. But that doesn't quite solve the problem, does it? Not, not quite. I mean, we can we can learn how to actually have, as you say, coping mechanisms. Yes. But what happens when you ask someone that is like that, notice what's happening now in this moment. People will say, what do you mean what, what's happening? I, I'm, I'm trying to tell you something. No, no, no. Notice what's happening in the body. Well, what's happening? What are you noticing? Well, you know, I just, my stomach is, I, it feels really, 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 it hurts. Or my chest is tight or my throat is tight. So we bring the awareness to that because the nervous system is telling us I'm constricted here. There's a lot of charge here. Yes. And I'm constricting your tissues in order to self-protect myself, in order to contain the charge. The body's always trying to contain, always, always contain our organs, contain everything. It also contains the charge of anxiety, of aggression, and it tends to do so in different parts of the body. So it's important as therapists that we actually bring awareness to that. Why? Why do we want to do this to make people feel uncomfortable? Not really. It is for their own bodies to realize like, hey, I'm actually tight. And when that happens, there's this other nervous system 
that we have is almost like an immune system that's not called that, but a part of our nervous system that actually comes online to try or to want to actually renegotiate that piece, to discharge it permanently. And we have to slow down for that to emerge. Now in trauma, this piece, that's a positive piece, is too small for all this stuff that's so big here. So we do little chunks at a time, just eat away at it little by little through one session. And what I tell people is you come out, you can't see my hands, but you come with this mound of charge of stuff that happened to you. Each session, we just go take one small piece off, one small piece off, small piece off. And look what happens. What is this in between here? That's more life energy, more availability, more capacity, a larger experience of being alive, more connection, more emotional feeling. And as you lower this, you become more aware of yourself. So we work in a pause way to help people really renegotiate trauma and walk away from it. Yeah, I mean, it really highlights also what you talk about, you know, the importance of connection and messages and, and how often I'm out there in daily life right now and we're wearing masks and you're trying to smile, you're trying to send any kind of message of safety. Yeah. Uh, we, we can't hear the prosody of the voices or the sounds, can't make out language, how confusing it is in these times. Are you, are you noticing heightened presentations of trauma, people who other words otherwise felt they were coping or managing well. Absolutely. What is the Institute? Well, from my point of view, and I'll tell you the Institute, is that it's all, we're really, really reaching into a very social unconscious. If we suspend our beliefs and speak about the social unconscious, what is that? What that is, is all the, all the feelings, all the things we all know exist, but we don't know because we don't think about them. We all know what a father is, what a mother is. We all know what sustenance, what mother nature is. We all know of it, and it's so instinctual. We understand this. When we have these pandemics come through, when they begin to arrive, there is this sense in people that begins to awaken, which is the profound human fear of being extinguished. But not only that, but also it brings up the times when we ourselves felt we were almost extinguished, when we came close to death, or we felt ourselves coming close to death. That memory, as it begins to in ourselves creates, as you might imagine, a great deal of angst. And sometimes if we again suspend our belief, they might come across generationally from maybe what our parents experienced, that it's deeply in us, whether we name our culture or what we heard as children or what we carry inside us epigenetically. That is what's been encoded in our genes to be able to better survive the things our parents survived in our lives. So that's coming up greatly. As far as the view of the Institute, we're always wanting to actually bring healing. And through trauma resolution, that somatic experiencing has been so powerful. Peter Levine started this work in the 1960s, working with Vietnam veterans. And in doing so, he had tremendous success. Now has evolved into a worldwide practice. We teach around the world. We have about 15,000 practitioners that have been certified by the Institute. And our work is beginning to gain more and more traction in, in the cycle therapeutic parts of our practice here in the United States. It is extremely an accepted practice in Europe. So somatic experiencing in this pandemic is constantly reaching out, wanting to bring more self-regulation and a platform of support for healing and an awareness for healing that folks might not know exists. And this is our, you know, our mission at this point in the development of our institute to work more with our global audience, our domestic audience, to bring this healing to all levels of society, to introduce 
there's more inclusivity to have folks actually learn how to do this work with our therapists or work with others with trauma. So it's our mission at this point to really begin to have more of our work come into this in our country, and especially in this time. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Absolutely. And it's very profound. And I like that you said it's a mission and you're clearly representative for it and you can speak very well. And, and, and I can keep this just about somatic work and trauma. Focus of the show is also for our listeners about the individual, the journey, what you've had to face to overcome it and how you got here. And there's a couple key elements, you know, that you bring out. One, that you had very different backgrounds and some that you were pushed into as a man or culture and having that realization of, aha, that this is not working and I'm moved to go somewhere else. And the other element of culture is that we know there's a lot of imposter syndrome and there's a lot of internalized messaging around accepting that we're not on the board. <laughs> I don't know what you call that, sure yeah. the term for it, but kind of, you know, there's been studies with college students who uh, kind of, they expect that they might get a bad grade or they might not be the one, they might get the message from a professor that they don't really belong at that top-notch school because of this conditioning. So, you know, what's it like for you to have made this push here to make this change to to get more representation on the on the board, number one, yeah. and to be a part of that? And what do you have to overcome to make that happen so that people out there who go through that similar struggle? And what's it like to, you know, be in one walk of life and really want to shift towards passion and purpose second half? Well, probably second half there, I think, is the most, the most powerful is, is that if I would ask you or ask anyone, and you don't have to answer this question, what is your purpose in life? A lot of people will start talking, and, but not make sense. Some folks will argue and get in fights with you about it. Some people will just stare blankly at you. You know, when you go to the grocery store to buy milk, you don't walk into a store going like, what am I doing here? What's my purpose here? Uh, <laughs> oh, I have to buy milk. That's my purpose. When you go to the bathroom, don't you go with a purpose? But when you ask folks the most fundamental question, what is the purpose of your life? They don't 
have an answer because their awareness has never come to themselves. But because we live so fast in our society, we have so many distractions and so many expectations. And when we have these expectations, we really forget who we really are, who we are born to. I truly believe that we are all born with there's a purpose for us. There's something that we're amazing, we have superpowers to do, but we don't find it because we don't bring our awareness to ourselves, our concentration. Mm -hmm. Now in the world of digital media, iPhones, distractions, screens, we have less and less concentration time. We can concentrate for more than what? How, what is it now? Three seconds? Five seconds? Ten yeah, seconds? Yeah, I was going to say, right? Right? Seconds. Not a lot. If you know, for you to find your purpose, you have to have the capacity to concentrate, to focus, to be able to really observe yourself and know what happened to me. I was, I went through the same process. I grew up in the 70s. We had TV. watched a lot of TV. I had a lot of expectations going through college. I come from a medical family. I thought I'm going to be a doctor. Went to engineering school here at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles to become a doctor because back then they told me if you're an engineer, you're going to get in, it's a slam dunk to get into medical school. So I did that. And of that, I really realized like, you know, this is not really for me. This is not what I want to do. Went to Europe, restored art for a while in Florence, Italy, got a scholarship to go there. Spent 10 years working for the petroleum industry, which I loved. Worked on the North Shore, which is out there in Holland, England, platforms. It was a fascinating experience. I learned two more languages, Italian and Dutch. And still, I was found myself like, you know, I don't want to be an engineer. Came back to the U.S., went into finance, became a stockbroker. Cold calling people 12 hours a day, 15 hours a day. I would start on the East Coast. Our time, five in the morning, cold call all the way until nine o'clock at night with this powerful drive, which meant for me like, whoa, you're a young shark, right? Go make some money. And I did. Mm -hmm. I did do that. I started my own business. And you can feel the theme here, this trickling that I felt like, you know, I, I just don't have that passion for this work. You know, money is just not giving me. And as a man, you're always expected to provide sustenance. You're expected to achieve. You're expected to have a position in life and also growing those expectations as a man. And I really had a, a real stop to my life when I, I got chronic fatigue syndrome. It put me on a sofa for about a year. I, I was active for about two hours a day. Most of the time I was riding the sofa and it really gave me time to concentrate, to really begin to think about my life, put it in perspective and who I wanted to be. That's a key component, how injury, you know, I do some work. I have a podcast that also deals on athletes in transition and in retirement. And a lot of my clients, when they come yeah. to illness or an injury, this is a really tough place where there's an opportunity there for, for healing. Your body is telling you something. And yet, more often than not, that initial drive you talked about, the provider drive, I just have to get back to who I am, which is making money, is pulling us out of taking care of the body or healing. Exactly. I mean, we, as you know, the messages we get as men is that we have to provide, that we have to do this, that we have to achieve, that we have to raise, that we have to be, in some ways, come to a place of recognition. And you're completely right with athletes, with so many folks that drive for years and years and years because we're so goal-oriented that when we finally have a pause, we begin to notice, like, I really need time to heal, you know? I have to have time to heal. And you also begin to really heal your deep wounds, not your physical wounds, but your deep wounds that you carry with you, which I carry with me. And that's when I began my own self-work and I found somatic experiencing. And this is when I truly came into myself. In other words, I really arrived in my body. I arrived in myself. I became embodied. What does that mean, being embodied? Well, you know, we have a body, yes, and we, we levitate about 
the world with this body, but there's a difference between actually feeling, sensing the world fully. This is the receptacle upon which we feel the world. We sense not only other humans, but everything. And there's profound joy when you actually have an experience of being alive. You know, I really truly believe that people are not looking for happiness. They're really looking for an experience of being alive, an experience of everything they do, really being alive and enjoying family, friends, sports, whatever they're doing in life is so important. And this is why this work is important for me, because what we're really doing is actually, we're negotiating trauma, but we are allowing people to come back into their bodies. When people are overwhelmed by society, overwhelmed by COVID, you're not in your body, you're here in your mind. It's almost like you're floating here somewhere. When you come back is when you go like, oh, hey, oh yeah, that's right. You know, I'm, I'm in my office and you feel your feet and you notice yourself and it really puts you in perspective. You might even feel lighter, heavier. You might look at yourself in the mirror and really see like, oh, wow, I am actually a little bit taller than I thought. My face exists. It's not an effigy. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, and you're touching upon the language that, that somatic experience really teaches and a lot of the approaches that are mind-body integrated that, that focus on sensation, you know, allowing and, and some grounding exercises, which maybe we can have you speak in a bit about getting back connected to your body when stress pulls you outside, which is really relevant not only to men, but to what everyone's going through right now. But I wanted to give you a chance to speak to your journey, the resistance or your journey to deciding not only do I want to become a practitioner, but now I want to become a leader in this field. I want to see myself. I want to see those like me represented, you know, globally to make that push uh, to put yourself out there in this way when you're, you know, you're a busy man, you're seeing a caseload. It would be easy to just get your certification and hang up your shoes. Yeah, exactly. Purpose in life is more than just fulfillment of, you know, yourself. It's also doing in this life what perhaps we might think we are born for, what we are born to do. When we do what we really sense deeply we're here to do, we're bringing, as it may, more light into the world, more availability, more peace, more of ourselves, more of something that comes from beyond us. When we begin to follow a purpose in life, everything is just easier. And somehow, to use a corny phrase, the universe opens up for you. You know, when I was a stockbroker, I was always shooting for the top. Almost every single door that I tried to open closed on me. And I always wonder, like, I am such a failure. What's wrong with me? And they would, you know, I tried for this, this, or I'll try for that. Position zero, zero, zero. Came into business. I was pretty good at business, but I wasn't getting to that point. Well, what happened when I did this work? The door suddenly started opening up everywhere because I was following the purpose in my life. And I understand what the explanation for that is. And I've heard so many times. Notice those folks that really follow what their purpose is, they begin to expand tremendously. I think the purpose of everything is really to expand. The universe is always expanding, is going forward. When we find ourselves constricting, collapsing, we know we're not going in the right direction. So how do you deal with that when something like, you know, culture or race would be one of these areas where people often feel, depending on the dominant viewpoint or internalized viewpoints, that they are being constricted externally. And then therefore that we know from your thoughts and emotions affecting your body that they internally constrict. So how did, how did you overcome that in this instance to go, you know, I'm not going to accept that the majority or the majority rules, I'm going to maintain the status quo, you know, whatever diversity representation there is in any organization that may be unequal. And, and how do you decide to follow passion into that area where there's going to be some charge because it's going to bring a source 
source of conflict, whether it be in internal or external. To answer your question, of course the differences are there, and you know they are a lived experience. Our marginalization, racism is a lived experience that, as you name, really constricts our nervous system. Yeah, it creates a lot of dysregulation and augments whatever wounds we're carrying. In other words, it makes them feel them more, so it becomes more personal. It becomes more directed towards us, and it's oppressive in nature in the sense that it also begins to affect how our children are going to be because epigenetically it actually influences. It's almost approaching the archetype of immigration of the great migrations all humans have experienced from going from one place to another to try to survive. It really touches on a very deep piece of survival within all of us. When we feel marginalized or put out of place, it profoundly affects us. Personally, you know, when I came here in the 70s, you know, marginalization was explicit. Folks will tell you how exactly they felt about you, you know, in very explicit language, which I will not dare use in this moment, but it was there. That was there, and now something is different. However, that culture, that piece is still very much in the culture. And I really believe as we begin to allow ourselves to become more self-regulated through our self-work, we are better able to dialogue with each other because it eventually grounds down to our humanity. We're all humans. We all must connect. And as we also do our self-work, as we also approach that together, and this is why SC somatic experiencing is so important, the more of this we have in the world, the less conflicts are going to be because we then know how to dialogue, how to connect as humans without having to be confrontational. I hope that makes sense. This knowledge, this empowerment comes from a place of desire to pursue passion and change through dialogue without it needing to go towards conflict. That's where we began. If, you know, when folks come in, and I'll come back to that point about self-regulation, and when folks come into my office, they're usually what I call flying high. Why? Because they have to come to downtown Los Angeles, get on that 101 freeway, you know, go through traffic, find parking in downtown, you know, find the building, go up the stairs, get here, and sit in that in my waiting room and listen to classical music. So people are already like, oh, you know, a little bit frustrated. They're not in their mind. But when we come into the office, we do a small exercise. We name arriving, arriving more, and suddenly there's more clarity, there's more peace, there's more dialogue. When we approach our conversations about our differences, when we're this flying this high, there's a lot that can happen there. We're very close to our overwhelm point up here. But if we come here, we might come here and dialogue and get a little bit, you know, feisty, but then we can come down and reach an agreement. I think we're confronting each other with a lot of energy, and rightfully so, because there's a history, rightfully so. What I'm wanting, what is my most profound wish, is to allow people, to help people, come come down here more, spread, not spread their attention so much, but be more focused, to really realize that there's more that binds us together as humans and not. Yeah. And now that you've arrived in your own self and that you were named to the board and, and have a practice focused on this healing modality, what's that What's that like for you to see yourself then able to embody and represent the change you want to see happen uh, in the world? Through my work and my writing and actually, you know, presenting on the board, we, we are really wanting to bring more inclusivity, more availability to everyone. We are wanting to make this a standard best practice, which means that's more accepted practice, not only for, you know, private practice therapists as myself, but also in other larger institutions such as the VA, where so, so much needed, but there's, you know, many folks suffering with PTSD. In our board, we are really wanting to embody all of what somatic experiencing is or 
around the world. We have folks serving from other countries and some that are not actually psychotherapists that do other things. So we wanted to bring this diversity of views and we're working with committees also to bring more research, to bring more inclusivity, to bring a larger sense of we all belong to this and we're all contributing. So in our work, we have psychotherapists, of course, that come to train with us. We also have yoga practitioners. We have registered nurses. We have medical doctors. We have many modalities that come to allow themselves to be more educated, not only about themselves, but how they can begin to work in their own communities. So it's really about bringing this to the communities. So the board is really a way to actually bring thoughts, bring ideas, bring voices from the outside, hear them, and bring concrete things out into the community that can help immediately, that can help practically. Yeah, and what are some of the ways Twig Wheeler, you know, a practitioner uh, that offers training for other therapists to support their nervous system, or he's done work globally into going into victims of, of violence, uh, other global crises in Rwanda, I believe. You know, what are some other ways in which this work can be brought forward? Yeah. Assuming, you know, the, the credentialing and the approvals and the yeah. research is approved to, to expand, what are some of the target populations that they can be reached and, and ways in which groups can bring this work forward to their communities to heal a little bit more, especially in the time we're in? Oh, especially, yes. Uh, we're wanting to have shorter courses. As you know, the same course you uh, you experienced, the medical experience is a long three-year program. We're wanting to bring shorter programs to, for example, work with medical personnel, we're registered nurses, with EMTs. Why would we want to do this? It's because a lot of trauma happens in hospitals and a lot of people come in extremely overwhelmed. And what happens when this stuff is not dealt with in the moment and discharge, it gets stuck in the body. Folks that have high impact accidents, they're not able to actually discharge all this. You know, you notice when folks have an impact, they begin to actually shake. They begin to have what they call a seizure. What is really happening is the body is trying to discharge all the energy of that impact. And if it is not allowed to do so, it gets actually integrated in the system and becomes trauma. It becomes anxiety, sleeplessness, PTSD symptoms. So we're wanting to bring more coursework to train EMTs, RNs, to recognize trauma, recognize overwhelm, and help patients discharge that before they actually go into the operating table or before they actually get stuck in their bodies. So it's a very important piece we're doing. We're also reaching out to other minority communities to actually have community-based, you know, small programs to teach folks how to work with overwhelm in their populations, how to work with, you know, folks that are having profound issues and having a lot of stuff happening inside them in the moment to be able to discharge that. You know, is trauma is not so much in the event. It's how the nervous system receives it, how the nervous system stores it. If you go back to when we were little kids and we have a bad fall, right? And we get up and we're so shocked and we start crying. If we're by ourselves, it's a big deal. We get really, really scared. And it might be so big for us that we all just get stuck in our little bodies. But what if mom is there or your uncle is there and go, come on, oh my God, sweetie, what happened? And they take you and hold you and let you cry it out and hold your little, little wound and let you just do your little thing of have your little body shake a little bit. Yes, that's gone. The nervous system gets rid of it automatically because it knows how to do it. And that child will never feel the effects of that. They'll have a memory, but the other little kid 20 years later will come into my office going, I have all this anxiety. I have nausea. I have all these things happening with me and I don't know where they came from. Sooner or later, we'll go back to those events. Yeah. So as he's trying to do just more small courses to help people who are immediately involved with folks that deal with overwhelm in any condition. Sure, 
research in different parts of the world where there's been less trauma, even after, you know, mass trauma cultural has been where the community came together, connected, supported, accepted everyone and focused together on reconnecting and rebuilding as opposed to shaming its members or isolating its members or rejecting or making it unsafe to bring forth that that experience quite painful or didn't allow for it to be expressed. Yeah. So I certainly hope (laughs) that we'll find ways to allow for our different opinions here at a time when things are the most divergent and like you said, the most flying high. So many, with so many stressors on the line, uh, we also know there's great capacity for great healing. Well, Sergio, I'm grateful for your friendship and I'm so excited for the work you're doing and hope we can find ways to uh, help someday, uh, you know, either mentor or someday, who knows, teach the subject matter in our own unique ways. Certainly combining it with athletes and sports can be tremendous because we know athletes go through their series of share of traumas too. Sergio, please, in closing, let our listeners know how they can reach you, how they can learn more about your practice, get a hold of you. We know that although I'm a clinical psychologist in LA and a somatic experience practitioner, my caseload does get filled and we need a few good men out, you know, our clinicians to go to and and how they can connect more to somatic experience or learn more uh, should they be interested. Well, they can go to my website. It's SergioOcampo.com. That is my name, S-E-R-G-I-O-O-C-A-M-P-O.com. You can have my contact information. You'll also see my articles there. You also can reach me directly through my email, Sergio Listens. Sergio Listen listens at traumahealing.org. That's Sergio Listens at traumahealing.org. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. It was it's been a pleasure. I hope there's something that has been contributed to your listeners, and I encourage them to do some research on somatic work. It's powerful. It can help your life. It can change your life. It's been life changing for many of my clients, my patients, and so many people I know. So I truly encourage you to learn more about your own nervous system and how you too can actually come to healing and come to a place where you find rest, where you find really some happiness or true happiness within your life automatically without having to work so hard. Well said. Beautifully said. Gentleman and a scholar. And he can say it in Dutch as well. Check him out. Sergio Ocampo. Dear friend, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Richard. Well, listeners, I told you being for a treat and I wasn't kidding. Sergio Ocampo, trauma and healing. He's on the board for Somatic Experience Institute and he's a wonderful therapist and friend. Please check him out. As always, if you or someone you know feel you'd be a great guest for this show, I love sharing your stories, the way in which people overcome their challenges, whether it be emotional, physical, in this case, immigration, gender roles, different things that push you forward towards your passion. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, or Instagram, Richard Listens. Uh, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. 
Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.